Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Really well. Thank you. Great. And Phil's, Phil's standing in the wings, eager to get going. Um, so Phil, bless you man this morning. I know you just want to get going, so I don't even need to pray for you. The Holy Spirit's here. Bless you. Bless you, Warwick. Thank you for this morning. Thank you all. It's lovely to um, be with you this morning. It's lovely to be minister in this empowered series. I have personally loved this. Some people have questioned us why we're teaching it. Is it not a little bit heavy at times? We've just felt the real importance of the Holy Spirit felt it was important enough to get the great apostle Paul to pen it and put it in scripture and teach a church in Corinth how to not abuse the gifts then, how much more is that for the body of Christ? Um, I, uh, m- most of you know my story. I grew up in a, in, a, in a brethren church. It was a great upbringing. I was um, saved very young. I got saved when I was six. Um, I've never known a time that I didn't love Jesus. Um, And as a boy, I fell in love with the Word. I sort of taught myself to read through the Word, and I loved it. I just, I fell in love with it all those years ago. At 11, I had a real encounter with God that um, um, probably in some shape or form I parceled away because I didn't really know what to do with it. And... um, and while the Brethren movement was lovely and it was a great church to grow up in, it was a cessationist church in that they didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. They believed in that verse in 1 Corinthians 12 that talks about when that which is perfect is come. They related that to the canon of Scripture. And they said that when the canon of Scripture was fully completed, then there was no need for the gifts. The problem with that is it says that tongues will cease. Um, when that which is perfect has come, um, tongues will cease and knowledge will be done away with. And so if knowledge is done away with, then I'm doomed this morning to teach you anything. All right. So um, knowledge hasn't been done away with. So tongues haven't ceased. So really what we believe as charismatics is that that verse simply means the return of Jesus when that which is perfect has come. Not the canon of Scripture, but actually the return of Jesus. And so the gifts are still very prevalent for today and still very important. And Warwick said an interesting thing at the start of the service. He said that it's not a cinema, it's not an entertainment center, and if the gifts aren't moving, that's all it is. If the gifts aren't moving in the church, then there is no power, there's no love, and there's, there's no organization, there's no... There's no moving, there's no oil um, to function as a church. And um, so that's why we're teaching on the gifts. And a few weeks ago, I give you an overview of them all, those three big passages of Scripture that give us the 23 gifts that are um, uh, uh, pump to keep the the church alive. Um, The motivation gifts, um, the seven that are in Romans 12 that are built in you. I suggested to you that those are born in you. That's why we call them basic life purpose gifts. They're born. We're all, every person alive is born in the image of God. So you're born with gifts and abilities um, that are bred in you. 
Um, some people never, never actually un- unpack those, which is really, really sad. Uh, hence, we want to teach about them. And then last week, Dave did a fabulous job looking at the uh, ministry gifts, the facilitation gifts, the gifts that equip the body. Um, sometimes we refer to that as the fivefold ministry. They are foundational gifts. I found this little quote of Alan Hurst, which I thought was really helpful. Um, they are the interpreting center around which we understand all the other giftings. So they're sort of the those those. Those ministry gifts are sort of like the fivefold leadership. Sometimes we refer to them as offices. Some people don't like that. I do like that phrase, uh, uh, offices that actually um, lead the church and, and, and push people into their, their giftings. But on top of those uh, ministry gifts, there's a host of other gifts. There's a host of others. Um, and I'm going to talk to you. I start to talk to you today about those, and those are the manifestation gifts, the gifts of the Spirit. They're the ones that are mostly abused. They're the ones that are mostly misunderstood, um, and therefore then what people do is they, they pack them off. They, they, they throw the baby out with the bathwater, and uh, as it were, and they don't move in them. And then church just becomes an entertainment center. Church just becomes a place where people come to fill up, as it were. People come um, to cons- uh, just to consume what's going on rather than participate. And church should be um, a place where we participate. And that's why we're teaching on the gifts to see more participation. One of the reasons we do seek first nights, which is next Sunday night, is to allow more room for that, to more than just a, an organized structure um, meeting, to have a meeting where we can allow a bit of time and space for worship and gifts to move and the body to minister. And we're going to explore these gifts. And remember, they are gifts, all right? And gifts are given, and they're given to be received. The rudest thing would be if you were offered a gift to say, no, I don't want that. And so these gifts are being offered by the Father um, and by the Spirit, and they're to be received. And the Holy Spirit thought, as I say, important enough to get Paul to write and speak to a church about them. Now, let's read the passage. Here we go in 1 Corinthians 12. There are are different kinds of gifts, all right? Um, But the same spirit um, distributes them. Notice throughout this little section how many times Paul mentions the the source of the gift. He, He wants to impress upon this church that there is one source. There's not many sources, there's just one source. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord, there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every... One, it is the same God at work, all right? One source. They're coming from one source. Now, each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And then he gives nine gifts there in bold red for you. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message or a word of wisdom. Um, To another, a, a word of knowledge or a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. You see, Paul's emphatic about this. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. You can see, these are just wee practical things. You can see how Paul's teaching. Paul's teaching a church that this isn't willy-nilly. This isn't just, you don't just pull these gifts out of anywhere. These are coming from a source. Paul's teaching the church here. He's saying, you've you got to get this. And so he's going over and over again. He's a good teacher, you see. He said to another 
prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues, and all these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now the Lord always honors and blesses the public reading of his word, and today is no different, so we ask you, Lord, to bless it and speak to us today. Your sons and your daughters are listening. Now, the context of these passages that Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth is that it's, it's quite toxic, actually. It's quite toxic. It's a toxic church, for want of a better word. And he actually says to them in 1 Corinthians 11 that your meetings are doing more harm than good. And what was happening in the church of Corinth, there were relatively young believers, and um, there was a little bit of arrogance that crept in, and then there was bullying, there was arrogant leadership, there was control, there was neglecting the poor, there was a shame culture instead of an honor culture. So the leadership were holding on to the gifts and saying, we're better than you, and we do this and you don't do it, and so we are better. And so there was no, it was an honor of shame rather than an honor of culture. And there was abuse of the gifts, and yet there were full-on charismatics. They were, they were preaching, they were speaking, they were gifted in speaking, and they knew it. They actually called themselves the spirit people. There's a Greek phrase for that, um, pneumatikio. It's my little Greek for the day. Um, that's probably not. Uh, um, say I know a little Greek, but he owns a Hills, uh, he owns a restaurant in Hillsborough. All right, um, some of you got that. Um, uh, so they call themselves the spirit people, sort of like look at us, we are the people type of thing. And the big problem was the big problem was they thought the gifts were for themselves. They thought the gifts were theirs. But the gifts were never given for them. The gifts were given for the body. You could say the gifts weren't given um, um, for them. They were given to them. So the gift was given to them to distribute to the body. Um, and that's what the gifts are for. That's really important. And the fascinating thing is Paul didn't, didn't um, actually um, close the church down, which many of us would have done. He actually brings correction. He starts to bring direction to this. He starts to show them what authentic Christ-like spirit community looks like. This is how this should function, all right? And Paul is bringing correction. He's, he's saying, I, I don't want you to be uninformed about this. There's a little bit of ignorance about what's going on in the gifts. And so I, I'm bringing this. I'm talking to you about this because I don't want you to be uninformed about it. As a matter of fact, he goes on in 1 Corinthians 14 and he says, eagerly desire. He said, don't, don't, don't shy away from these gifts. As a matter of fact, eagerly desire them. I, um, I went to a little church um, as I say, growing up in the Brethren, um, my kids started to grow up, and my kids, um, uh, the, the Brethren was lovely, but they, there wasn't much happening for kids, and my kids started to become teenagers, and they were, weren't, it just was a struggle every week to get to go, really. And um, Amy went to secondary school and met a girl there who was going to a little charismatic church, and of course she started to go there on a Friday night, and then my wife Jill, who was alive at the time, um, started to drift into it, and when your wife and your kids start to go somewhere and really love it, and I began to feel the pressure. And so I went along begrudgingly, and it, my first impression was there were a bunch of nuts. I just thought they were, I thought they were, they were gone to the furries. And, um, and I, there was everything against my theology that I'd grown up to believe and taught 
um, in Bible school and Bible college. I was teaching the Word. I, was, I loved the Word, and I loved, and I teach cessationism, and, um, and which is against the gifts of the Spirit. And, uh, and then I, I, I met some people, Paul, Big Paul Rathor. We called him Big Paul Rathor. Um, Big Paul was, uh, for, was and Wilson, um, Wilson and Kate that are here. That was 1991, 33 or 34 years ago, 33 years ago. And I was in around, I was just coming 33. I was thinking this this morning, 33 years a cessationist and 33 years a charismatic. And... Um, and uh, they began to pray for me, and I began to, to, to my, my kids and my wife were loving this, and I was, I was enduring it, and then something began to happen, and I began to think, maybe, maybe I've missed something. Maybe there's something here in this. Maybe there's something that I've missed along the line, and I began to open my spirit and open my heart, and I began to pray for me, and then God totally did the work and wrecked my theology. How could he? Um, and uh, I had to put, I, I remember going through a time where God told me to put my Bible, all my theology, all that I believed on the shelf for two years and not think and read the Bible with a fresh new mind. And that two years changed my life. Loads of things I had to pull back off the shelf, loads I had to leave on the shelf. But um, um, there's something about that. So Paul is saying to eagerly desire these spiritual gifts and and to do it with love, because without love, it's just a big noisy gong, all right? Um, and um, as I say, it's often these gifts that are on the screen are, the, are among the most abused and misunderstood, all right? And Paul's uh, instructions of the Corinthians are, in some shape or form, um, a safeguarding policy. He's sort of writing like a safeguarding policy. Here's how to use these gifts in a local church setting. And these gifts are identified, as I said, as manifestation gifts. They're spiritual endowments coming from heaven. And we believe that gifts that come from God when, uh, reveal his character. All right, And it's really, really important, never more so than this next season of our church life and our ministry, that the gifts start to pump again. All right? Now, a couple of things just to highlight in what I've just said, just to highlight what I've just said. Remember, the gifts are not ours, all right? They are supernatural graces. They're heaven's activity breaking into our everyday life, all right? And we should, therefore, naturally, um, we should demonstrate a sort of a natural, supernatural environment. Supernatural is super, but it's natural. It moves through us, all right? And so every time we should come together we should expect, we should expect the supernatural to happen. We should naturally just accept that we're coming into the presence of God, and as the body of Christ comes together, something ignites in heaven, and the power and gifts of the Spirit get distributed. And, and so we should begin, we're asking you to begin to naturally expect the supernatural to break out. All right? Not okay? Um, and then remember, this is really important, that the gifts are not necessarily a sign of maturity. And this is really important. They should be stewarded maturely, but unfortunately, they're not necessarily a sign of it. And I said in the first service that there, it's interesting that there's nine fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it's interesting, there's nine gifts and there's nine fruit. And I often think it's a bit like an airplane. If you've just one wing, you'll never fly. 
and there's something about the fruit of the Spirit operating in the gifts of the Spirit, all right? And here's the problem. We need both of these. We need both of these to function. The fruit of the Spirit are not given to you. You need to know that. The fruit of the Spirit are not gifts. They're, they're fruit of the Spirit that you work out in your life over years and decades of humbly and very definitively walking in the presence of God where you work out and the fruit of spirit grows in your life. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, self-control. They are something that you actually mature in your own life. They're never given to you, all right? So you have to work those out. But the gifts are given. And so um, the problem is we will meet spiritually mature people not operating in the gifts. I, I think, was one of those people at a time. Um, and we, we meet spiritually immature people demonstrating the gifts of the Spirit. And that's what was happening in Corinth. You had spiritually immature people operating in the gifts. And so this was the case for Paul. And he's coming in and he's saying to these spiritually immature people who were lacking fruit and lacking love, moving in the gifts of the Spirit. And he's, he's, he's encouraging us as leaders, I think, um, and pastors to um, have wisdom to pastor and disciple people through this. Hence, we're teaching on it. This is why this is so important. And what we're going to do is we're going to take the next three weeks and we're going to teach in these nine gifts. We're going to break them into three and I'm going to teach you on the, the, the first three. They belong to the Spirit. These gifts of encouraging and equipping and edifying and empowering the body of Christ to do the work that God has called us um, to do. All right? Um, so when we look at these gifts, um, that's, let's, let's talk about the first three. John Wimber, who was the founder of the Vineyard Movement, broke them into these three categories, and we find this really helpful. This was his um, um, breakup of them, the gracelets of discernment, which are the eyes of God, which I'm going to talk to you about today, which are wisdom, knowledge, and the distinguishing of, of spirits. And then next week, um, we're going to talk about the hand of God, the gracelets of power, which are faith, healing, and miracles. And then we'll talk to you about the graces of speech, which is the mouth of God, the prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And we're going to take some time and look at those um, each week. So as I say, my um, job today is to talk to you about the, the gifts of supernatural insight, the eyes of God, the gifts of supernatural insight, all right? Word of wisdom, let's talk about this. Word of wisdom is... Uh, um, divine wisdom breaking into a situation. It's uh, um, Paul's dealing with this church who thinks they have this and they haven't. And he's, he's, he's counteracting this, all right? A word of wisdom comes through the Spirit because Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, um, 10 to 13, if you wanted to mark it, he says, only the Spirit understands the mind of God and reveals it. So it's the Spirit of God that knows the mind of God. So if we're going to have a word of wisdom, wisdom, uh, the wisdom of God is spoken by an individual. It reveals part or, uh, of the total wisdom of God. Sometimes this comes with experience. It does not, it's not age-bound. Um, sometimes I say to people, wow, that wisdom was beyond your years. Because and remember whenever um, Peter said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and Jesus looked at him and said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. That was the wisdom of God. That came from heaven. That was, it was only the Spirit could have revealed that to you. 
All right, so um, it's applying God's wisdom to a specific situation in a way that provides insight. So I'm going to mingle a few stories in here to try and help you understand this. But um, it usually provides insight for people in the next steps of their spiritual journey. So loads of people came up for prayer in the first service, and there was a couple of people I prayed with that I felt I operated in the gift of the words of wisdom, where I felt this is what I think I should, this is what I think God sent to you. And this is what I feel you should do in the next step of that. So a word of wisdom results in, in what feels like a door opening and granting a way through a situation. So you could expect a word of wisdom um, if a problem needs solved or a decision needs made in an individual's life. And sometimes it can come as a prophecy. Sometimes it's coupled with a word of knowledge, which we'll look at in a moment. Um, and the wisdom along with facts that you didn't know when wisdom and knowledge are applied. There's loads of examples. I've boiled it. I could give you loads of examples for each. I've boiled it down to a couple of each. So Solomon in 1 Kings 3, when he asks for the gift of wisdom and God gives him the gift of wisdom, later on in the chapter, two prostitutes actually have two babies. They give birth, and one of the, pro- one of the ladies lies on her baby, suffocates the baby in her sleep, and swaps the baby over while the other mom is asleep. So puts her dead baby and takes the live one. And of course, mommy wakens up and finds her little baby dead and then realizes it's not hers. Every mommy knows her baby. And so they, they argue over this and eventually they go to the king. And Solomon, when they're arguing over, the, over this little baby, the only one that was alive, Solomon says, bring me a sword. Bring me a sword. And they bring him a sword. He says, what we're going to do, we're just going to chop the baby in half. Sounds a bit gruesome, doesn't it? And we'll give half to each. And then that's it solved. And of course, the mommy whose, whose baby it wasn't says, that's a good idea. But of course, the mommy who, had, who loved the baby, who, whose baby it was, said, no, no, no. Just give it to her. And of course, the deal was settled. Solomon says, take the baby from her and give it to the rightful mom. That's a word of wisdom. Um, uh, on and on we could go. There are many. Um, Joseph, the wisdom in interpreting dreams, running a nation. Daniel, having wisdom to live in a foreign land. On and on we go. In the New Testament, we have Jesus, who they tried to trick, and they said, should we be paying tax? And Jesus says, well, bring me a coin. And they bring him a coin, and he says, whose head's on the coin? And they say, well, it's Caesar's head in the coin. And then Jesus says, well, sure, render to Caesar's. If Caesar's, give it to him. <laughs> And give on to God what's rightfully his. Divine wisdom. The wisdom of heaven. Word of knowledge is um, very similar. Often runs parallel with the word of wisdom. But often reveals something more factual. So the word of wisdom can give you a little bit of direction. The word of knowledge can actually tell you how to do it. The word of knowledge can actually tell you the direction to go. It's a supernatural endowment of knowledge that couldn't be known only God had revealed it. And sometimes somebody might say, or sometimes this might happen to you, um, God might show you something going on in somebody's life that you would have no way of knowing other than by the divine hand of God. Um, someone maybe comes up to you and asks you something. I was praying for you the other day, and I seen boom, boom, boom. And you think, wow, that's exactly, I feel like he read my mail, or she read my mail. It's a direct word about an issue that needs dealt with. It's an encouragement that's needed in a situational insight. It can come in different forms. It can come in a mental picture. It can come as a clear thought or a a deep inner sense of knowing, a written word, a pain in the body, a spontaneous utterance, whatever. 
And often it is used to reveal sin, um, uh, or warn, or provide safety, to reveal thoughts, to provide healing, to provide instruction. Often times that can happen. Now, I told you I'd tell you an odd little story. Here's a little story. We bought this building in 2002, and we did a lot of work. It was, they were looking a million and a half pound for it. We bid half a million and got the building, and um, we hadn't a penny. We hadn't a penny piece, that's the truth. And God provided, God provided miraculously, and I could keep you here to midnight telling you the stories. And we spent probably the same on it to get into it. We spent, so the building up until that point, we moved in in September 2003, we had spent a million pounds of which we hadn't. And just God provided very miraculously, and some of you were part of that journey. And um, about the third Sunday in here, I was preaching and um, we were having a bit of a celebration, and we were celebrating. We were in our new building. We were two or three weeks into our new building. It was like some people thought we'd bit off more than we could choose. Some people thought we'd jump too quick or too big too quick and all of that. And, and so we were, and I, I, w- I was celebrating, and I was preaching, and I got a little excited, and I fell off the platform right here, right here. And I fell right on Warwick and Jilly's lap. <laughs> Just were there sitting. And I, when I fell, I kind of stumbled and I fell into the front row and sort of got up and dusted myself off and jumped back up again. And everybody laughed and we, we made a bit of fun of it. And it was great. And on we went. And uh, I went home and we had lunch and we had dinner and the kids started to subside from the table. And um, Jill was alive at the time and Jill said to me, Phil, just whenever all the kids go, can I, can I share something with you? And I said, yeah, of course. And she said to me, um, she said, see, this morning, she said, I feel God give me a word of knowledge for you. And I went, oh, right, okay. I was starting to get nervous. And um, she said, um, whenever you fell off the platform, she said, I felt God said to me that you've allowed something into your heart that if you don't deal with, if you don't deal with it, your fall is going to be public and this time people aren't going to laugh. Your fall is going to be public and this time people aren't going to laugh. And I knew exactly what she meant. We just bought this big building. We'd got all the money and it was like a bit of bravado. Haven't we done well? And pride had entered my heart. And God used her to used my wife to point out pride in my heart. I'll never forget that word, and I tell you the reason I'll never forget it, because I'll never forget it, because I think I'm probably alive because of it. And I've no doubt my ministry's alive because of it. I don't think I'd have a ministry if she hadn't have been obedient with that word, and probably Emmanuel, I think, would look very, very different, if at all. So it's really important to understand this gift, this word of knowledge. One other instance that happened, we had a great friend, Bobby Moffat. And Bobby, was a, Bobby had an amazing story. He, had a, he, was, he was a drug addict. He was an uh, alcoholic. They literally locked him up in Purdysburn Hospital. And the psychiatrist told his wife, go and get on with your life and forget about Bobby because he's, an, he's, he's a lost cause. His wife divorced him, left him. 
Bobby was in Purdysburn for a number of years. Somebody visited him. Bobby gave his life to Jesus, totally redeemed him, called him to Africa to work amongst the orphans. And he started an organization called Educate the Orphans, ETO. And we supported ETO for years. Bobby's at home with the Lord now. But he was a great friend. And he would come down to Emmanuel. And I loved Bobby because he was smaller than me. And... Um, Bobby would come down to Emmanuel, and he would, we, we loved him in Emmanuel. We'd pray for him often, and he married again. He married a lady called Vivian, and she was lovely. And one Sunday morning, when he was in our little room, we were uh, uh, worshiping together, and God spoke to me. And this happened a few months ago with David, um, the guy from Iran, over in Portadown. If you were at that meeting, and I made a fool of myself by shouting at him, I'm just doing what God told me. I don't know the results of that story, but I'll tell you the results of Bobby's. Um, I felt God say to me, shout Bobby's name at the top of your lungs. And I said, well, you, you, sometimes you argue with God. And I said, God, that's going to look really silly. And I felt God say it again, shout. And so I said, hold on a minute, Bobby, I don't know what this is about, but God wants me to do this. Bobby! And I shouted at the top of my lungs. And I said to him, the next time you hear somebody shout your name, you need to jump to attention. That's what I feel God saying. About two months later, Bobby phones me and he says, Phil, you're never going to believe what happened. He says, we were out in the bush in Kenya and he said, we were sleeping in a tent. Vivian and I were sleeping in a tent. And she, he said, in the middle of the night, in the dark of night, he said, I heard a voice shout, Bobby! And he said, I just jumped up and I said, Vivian, pitch dark, pitch black. He said, Vivian, somebody just called my name. Remember Phil Emerson's word that, was some, that we need to respond and he got the lamp and they lit the torch. And when they lit the torch, the tent floor was absolutely covered in ants. Now, the ants in Kenya kill you. They, would literally, they literally would have died. Um, and so they upped and they into their, into their car and slept the night in the car. That's a word of knowledge. That's the way God works in that. Other stories I could tell you about that. It's a very powerful gift. And you need wisdom in delivering it. Wisdom in delivering it. And here's the wee thing. Don't insult people, ever. No gift is meant to be delivered rudely. All right? There's no excuse for rudeness in the kingdom of God. All right? So you never, the, the spirit of God is never rude. It's always done with love. All right? So, so even if it's directional, even if it's warning about sin, the way Jill done mine was with love. And here I am, all of these years later, telling you, about that gift or about that word, all right? So it's really important it's done with love, um, all right? Um, and often you can hold the substance of the word because the prophecy is always subject to the prophet. So just because God gives it to you, you don't need to blabber it out right away. You can hold it and let it marinate a little bit and see exactly what God is saying about it, okay? And Old Testament passages of that, Nathan to David, when David sinned and stole the man's wife, um, Nathan went into him one day and he said, this guy, this guy had loads of sheep, but he looked over and he saw this person who had won, but he fancied the one sheep and he, he, he killed the farmer to get the one sheep. David says, who would do a thing like that? Bring that man to me, I'll put him to death. Nathan says, you're the man. You had all your wives and your concubines and you looked at Bathsheba and you killed Uriah, you killed her husband to get her. And of course, Nathan was convicted and he wrote Psalm 52 out of that very powerfully. And then Ananias and Sapphira in, um, uh, in the New Testament where they, 
they sold their farm and got a large amount of money and came and gave half the money to the, the apostles and hid the other half, but pretended to give it all. They didn't need to do that. They could have given the half and said, we've kept half for retirement and we're given half. But they let on, they give it all. And because of that, they lied to the Holy Spirit and they lost their life because of that. That was a word of knowledge that God had given Peter. Lastly, really quickly, distinguishing of spirits. Um, sometimes we call this discernment. It's a very special, very powerful gift, the gift to discern what the spirit is doing in a community when spiritual powers are at work or motives, whether there's demonic stuff or whether there's um, like God's at work. Um, and, and so there's loads of things we could say about this. Clinton actually says this about it, that the gift of discerning spirit is a special ability God gives to some members of the body of Christ, which enables them to know for assurance whether certain behavior purported to God is indeed divine or if it's human or satanic. We say this sometimes, when God turns up, you'll always get the flesh and you'll sometimes get the devil. <laughs> Where God turns up, you'll always get the flesh. And um, sometimes it can just go into the flesh. And so that's why it's really important to hold this really well and teach it really well that these things are of the spirit and the flesh doesn't get a place. And of course, we keep the enemy out. We keep the doors barred and keep him out. Now, um, we could jump into talk about Peter, how Peter said to Jesus, and Jesus said, I must go to Jerusalem. Jesus said, no. Peter said, no, 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 you can't go to Jerusalem. And, and Jesus detected that there was a spirit at work in Peter. He says, get behind me, Satan. Imagine he said that to Peter because he detected, he knew the discerning of spirits. He discerned a wrong spirit was at work. Um, now, John Thompson, in a conference we were at, said this, which I thought was really helpful. He said that some of these people see up and down and some of these people see side to side and maybe some people see both. People who see up and down can detect, so you'll hear people sometimes say, I walked into church this morning and I just sense God. I sense the presence of God here. And you're going, all right. <laughs> you, you know, some, some people just don't have that and some people do. And some people can walk into the room and say, no. There's a bad feeling in here. Something going on in here. There's a spread at work in here. I don't like it. So that's up and down. Some people are side to side. Some people are, are saying, oh, I don't like what's going on in here, but see that person over there. Or see that person. See that Johnny Miller fellow? Um, um, it's, it's, we can, we can, and I, I think, sorry, in my experience over the years, I think females are better at this than guys. Oh, if I'd have listened to my wife four times. Um, that, um, um, where you think, oh, he's such a good guy. And your wife says to you, I don't know, Phil. Any, any husband ever, that ever happened? Any husband? And you're all smiling. Of course it's happened. Where you, your wife has said, I, just be careful there. There's something not right. And that's the side by side. And so, and, and there's, and, and here's the thing about discerning this one, this gift of discerning of spirits, we need to be really careful that people with discerning don't become judgy. We need to be careful that we don't, just because you have it, you're not a psychic. All right, it's a gift. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not yours. It's given by him to function at a specific time. 
And so you're not a psychic, all right? And so don't judge the person too quickly. Oftentimes, my mom taught me when you point, there's three point back. And so that's true. An Old Testament uh, are examples in Scripture. You have Samuel with David. You have Jesus with Nathaniel, who saw him sitting under the tree before he actually even come to him. And of course, you have Peter to Jesus in Matthew 16. The guys are going to come up and we're going to um, worship a little bit and we're going to break bread because... I have something I want to say to you about this. This is just three of them. They're incredible, aren't they? They're incredible. I, I, I felt in the first service I could have spoke for another hour, honestly. I just love these gifts. I love, and I'm so excited. And I know Rick and Dave are as well, along with their elders. We're just so excited to get teaching on it. We're so excited to see them pumping again in the house, to see them flowing in such a powerful way. Here's, here's what Eugene Peterson um, and put First Peter 4 into it. I love this passage. And I've never read it in the message before till this morning, actually, early. I, I, I had it on a slide in the, in the NIV. And then I read this this morning. I thought, wow. He's saying, everything in the world is about to be wrapped up. So I don't want to be a prophet of doom. But if you're watching the same news I am and you're reading the same Bible I am, Jesus is coming back soon, guys. There's no doubt. We're living in the end times and probably the end of the end times and everything in the world is about to be wrapped up. So take nothing for granted, he says. Stay wide awake in prayer. Most of all, love each other as if your life depended on it. Love makes up for practically anything. Be quick to give a meal to the hungry, a bed to the homeless cheerfully. Be generous with these different gifts. Be generous. Remember, they're not for you. They're distributed to the body. He says, God be generous with the gifts he's given you, passing them around so all get in on it. If it's words, let it be God's words. If it's help, let it be God's hearty help. That way, God's bright presence will be evident in everything through Jesus, and he'll get all the credit as the one mighty in everything. End course to the end of time. Oh, yes. Not lovely. Um, we're going to break bread, so if the guys want to come to the tables, we're going to start moving now in just um, one minute. What I'd love you to do, I'd love you to, we're, we're, about to, we're about to have communion and we're about to think of the greatest gift of all. For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave a gift. He gave the greatest gift of all. He gave his only beloved son. That whosoever believes in him shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. If you love Jesus today and you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then please be free to, to, and if you don't you can right now you can accept Jesus as your saviour right now but here's the thing here's the thing I'd love you to think as you come as you take the bread as you take the cup as you the, the bread reminds us of the of the body of Christ broken for us right the blood the, the, the cup reminds us of the blood that was shed and um, and as we remember this gift I would love you to think about the gift God has given you. I, I hope maybe some of the things that I've said this morning have jogged something in you. And then our prayer ministry team are going to be at the front and they're going to be at the back. And, and I'd love you if you, if, if, if these, maybe, maybe you, you're saying this morning, I'd love some of these gifts. I'd love that. Well then, would you come and allow us to pray for you? Or maybe, maybe the, those gifts are, you've, you've said, wow, Phil hit the nail in the head this morning. I've sensed that. God has stirred me in the middle of the night to pray for Joe or to pray for Billy or to, God, God has done that. And maybe that's a word 
of wisdom or a word of knowledge that God's shooting. And I'd love to get prayer for that. And that's why we're going to do the lab nights as well, to encourage you how to stir up the gifts that in you. As the Bible says, stir them up. And so what Rick and Dave and I are trying to do over this season is to stir up the gifts that are in you. So um, let's start and go. Let's start now. Two tables at the front, two tables at the back. I'm going to pray as we come. Um, But God is so good in this place. Let's move. Let's start moving. And let's remember the Lord this morning. Let's take of the greatest gift of all. And let us stir our hearts this morning of the giftings that he's placed in us. Because if he is the head of the body, then we are the body. (laughs) We are the body of Christ. And so the best way to function is connected to the head. (laughs) And he's given these gifts to connect us. The Spirit gives us these gifts to pull us together, to work as a body, not just not just the leadership operating in these gifts, but you as a body operating in these wonderful, magnificent gifts of the power and anointed of the Holy Spirit. So God, I just thank you now for Jesus. I thank you for his power. I thank you for his presence. I thank you for his presence in this room. And I pray right now, God, that you would come by the power of your Spirit and that you would move amongst us, that you would present yourself very powerfully with us. God, I pray that you would stir up the gift to send us this morning. Our guys are going to start to worship now. And um, if you're just getting communion, don't feel under pressure to jump up onto your feet too quickly. Take time. Ask God to stir your heart. What is what does he send you this morning? As you thank him for the bread and for the as you thank him for the cup, as you thank him for his body and for his blood, what is he stirring up in you? What's that gifting? Um, and then we'll move into ministry in a moment. We're coming to an end very shortly. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.